is going on guys welcome to another episode of the masculine health solutions podcast where we talk about everything when it comes to men's health be it mental health physical health male enhancement be it getting your dick right or getting your money right <laughs> whatever the case may be when it comes to developing yourself to the best version that you can possibly be as a dude this is a place where we discuss exactly that and i'm your host cj rodriguez by laws coach slash muscle building or conditioning. It depends on whatever your goals are in regards to physical fitness. That is what I do. However, you know, over time, I, like many of you guys, have decided to say, hey, you know, what else can I develop as a man? And, uh, you know, that's the beauty of this podcast. And what we do is that we get to have some awesome conversations with dudes who have gone out there and done that. And obviously females too, that can bring a whole bunch to the table in regards to developing ourselves in any, you know, regard as men. Right. So the thing is, it's it's this podcast, this episode with Joel really, really shed a whole lot of light on what's possible, regardless of where you are starting from. And the reason why I say that is that, you know, Joel's for, like his journey, man, started off in Cuba. Right. And it was about the time where, you know, communism had taken over and they're like, all right, well, you guys got to get the hell out of here. if You don't want to be a part of this. And his family said, all right, we're out of here. And he tells a story and I'm going to let him tell it about you know his journey to the United States and his struggles early on in life and how he was having a difficult time but you know Joel ain't no bitch <laughs> no he didn't take it he didn't you know he didn't take it he just lie down there and play the victim card which unfortunately is far too prevalent in the society instead he decided to say hey you know what what can I do to better myself in this situation you know he took on entrepreneurship absolutely killed it right he absolutely killed it in that field and then he decided okay you know what I've, I'm already successful what can I do for other people and that's kind of the crazy thing is that he took all the knowledge that he had all the wonderful things that he had put together and then he decided you know what I, I want to make this world a better place for other people for other guys people that are suffering right and I want them to be able to thrive in the same way that I do and you know that's what that's what led him to him creating his course right and it's called the 31daychallenges.com is where you can check it out. And, you know, there you can get the coaching that he offers, all the stuff that he provides. You can definitely check it out. All the links are always in the description. And the reason why I actually bring this up is that he, you know, like he hooked me up with the book, 31 Days to Become a Better Man, which is why I titled this, um, the name of this podcast because of this episode is because, you know, I got the book, I'm going through it. And man, it's, it really has helped me shed a lot of light or has shed a lot of light on things that I need to work on as man, you know, things that you might think, oh, you know, I got that mastered, but it might not be the case. And and that's kind of why this book to me is, is honestly, it, it's been pretty uh, profound, you know, the discoveries that I've made. And the beauty of it is that you can get it too and you can work through it yourself or you can join the community that he has and be a part of, um, be a part of something bigger than just yourself because sometimes we may need that help or we might need somebody else's perspective when it comes to developing ourselves as men so i really loved you know his insight i loved his i love his book you know i love what he's representing i love what he's all about so if you do want to follow him on any of the social media platforms be sure to check out the links in the description and again be sure to reach out to him he's a 
honestly spectacular dude and i really appreciate the fact that hey you know rags to riches and now is sharing how he got there his journey all that wonderful stuff along with just trying to empower men in general and in a time like this man where i'll be real i mean if you guys listen to this podcast you guys know that i'm not really down with you know society saying it's okay to chop kids dicks off i don't really this is the hill that i die on (laughs) i'm just not rolling with it i'm sorry if you believe in that these new age kind of movements i'm sorry but i think it's wrong i think it's nasty i don't think it has any place so you know i I really the whole purpose of this podcast is to empower men and to make sure that we can empower the men that are coming up after us you know the generations that follow you know i got two boys and i want to make sure that we as men can develop ourselves to our fullest to our full potential that we can make this world a better place for the generations that come after right regardless of whether you have daughters whether you got sons whether you got nephews nieces that's what this podcast is all about so i really hope that you guys enjoy this episode with a dude who keeps it 100 (laughs) which is wonderful because in this day and age of a lot of fakeness you know it's great to see somebody that shines through so enough of my yapping let's jump on in to today's episode with none other than joel gandara Before we get started, one more thing. If you want to get any PE gear, be sure to check out TotalManShop.com. That is TotalManShop.com. And use the promo code MHS2020. Promo code is MHS2020. And get 12% off. Be sure to check out their wide variety of all kinds of good quality PE equipment. All right. And that's promo code MHS2020 for 12% off. And the website, once again, is TotalManShop.com. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Mask and Health Solutions Podcast, where I'm joined by Joel Gandara, who's going to teach us a thing or two about masculinity in this day and age. And, you know... It's, it's crazy because we share a lot of the common opinions. You know, we share a lot of the same opinions in regards to where masculinity is today. And we want to discuss more of these different topics because I think it's important things that guys just aren't talking about enough. Or for some reason, it seems like society as a whole doesn't want to accept these things. But that's why we have this podcast and that's why we have these conversations. But first and foremost, Joel, how are you today, man? DJ, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to talk about the things we're going to talk about here. And it's crazy because, you know, the first thing that I thought of was like, you know, you seem from what I've already gathered, like a strong dude. And I don't think that was really something that came by accident. You know, I think that, you know, your your childhood, your upbringing probably had a lot to do with that to help you define you and make you the man you are today. You could just tell us more about your story and, you know, how you came up essentially. Yeah. So some of my earliest memories are about as traumatic as a human can have because, I risked death early on. I was born in Havana, Cuba, a communist country, and my parents did what they could to get us out. We got on a boat, and we were on that boat for 12 hours. Four of those hours were a very bad storm, and I that is graffitied, it's tattooed, it's stained into my brain. I'll never forget it, because four of those hours were spent yelling and screaming and nervousness and noise. And it was the boat would go up and I'd look around. It was four. It was all sky. And when it would drop in between the swales, it was four walls of water and you couldn't see any. It felt like you were underwater. It was all water. And then we'd bounce up and then boom, we'd go down. It was four hours of that. And um, 
you know, it was a, a boat that had capacity 70 people, a small fishing boat, and it was 150 of us. You think we had life jackets or, you know, enough security? There's nothing. And boats went down during the time when people did that and got out. So we're happy to be here, lucky to be here. Tell you what, I don't have anything from Cuba other than my memories. And one thing, when I walk into my closet, I got one shirt, little tiny shirt, and it's facing me the moment I walk in my closet. It's a shirt that I wore on that boat. And that's my reminder every single day that I've got a dozen cousins that I don't know. First cousins. I remember vaguely very little about them. And they wish they had the opportunities that I have in freedom. So I've driven my whole life to succeed. And I've had that shirt. And my parents never told me, keep this shirt. It's just something we never threw away. But once I realized, oh, this is my reminder. That's my reminder, number one, to be very grateful to live in opportunity. And number two, oh, yeah, I've got all these cousins who weren't able to do this. Let me do it for them. So I'm here just to push along. Uh, grew up right outside of Oakland, California. Uh, you know, I got here. Uh, to Key West, Florida, and went directly to Oakland, California, Bay Area near San Francisco and grew up there. Rough neighborhood, uh, rough school, fights every single day. Not me. I avoided fights as much as I could. But every day there were fights. I saw handguns at school. The friends would flash me and show me. And it was rough. And I knew one thing growing up. I did not want to live there. I did not want <laughs> my kids to one day grow up there. Um, so what did I do? I started making money in fourth grade because I bought these trading cards and I started buying them and selling them and I made some money. And in fourth grade, I bought myself a $50 robot, a transformer that I wanted really bad. My parents did not buy me toys because they just didn't have the money. It was food, it was clothing and basics. And that was it. So I got to uh, my first taste of success in fourth grade. I made $50 one month, saved it up and bought that toy and made myself happy. And it's still one of the proudest moments of my life. In high school, I sold uh, chocolates and I netted in my pocket $30 a day. Back in the 90s, that's a good amount of money for a kid. I always had a job after school. I've been financially independent since I was 16. Uh, started paying my parents rent when I was 18 or 19. Bought my first house at 22 and been hustling ever since, you know, all those times. But one of those things that happened and changed my life was I used to go to garage sales in high school and I'd buy stuff and I'd take it to the flea market if I found anything good. One time I found a guy selling cologne testers. They probably fell off a truck. I don't know where he got them, but I, it was the ghetto and I just needed to make money. And I bought a bunch of colognes for $5 each, sold them for like 20. These are 50, $60 colognes, made some money. But one day I found a guy selling underwear. They were jockey brand, brand new in the package. He was a sales rep. I bought everything he had. I spent $500, a dollar each. I took it to the flea market. I made $3,000. So I netted 2,500 and I said, this sure beats my $8 an hour full-time job. I'll keep my job, but I'm going to keep looking for more options like this. I found a company in Mexico that would sell to me. And I started selling them here, selling them on eBay, um, taking it to trade shows in Las Vegas, New York, Paris. I'm, I'm covering a lot of years here, but I'm, I'm going to speed through it. And I grew that business and I grew it to several million dollars a year. This kid didn't speak English, failed the first time I tried school in the U.S. I flunked. Uh, grew up poor, grew up, grew up thinking I was a little bit dumb because I didn't understand English, um, had a lot of insecurities growing up. And here I was making netting in my pocket over a million dollars a year selling underwear. And it just happened a few years before from going to garage sale. I ran that business for about 20 years, just sold it uh, less than six months ago, exited, I'm done. And now what I do is I run a men's program. I wrote a book and just in the first year, I brought 250 men through it. And I think we're changing their lives. They've told me I'm changing their life. But when I meet their wives, they've told me, you've really changed my life. You've gotten my husband to the guy I fell in love with. To me, that's all the reward I need. I don't chase money anymore. I did it. I made money. And now I get to just do my passion.
That's interesting, man. And it's it's almost like you found your success. And then afterwards, it's almost like you found your calling, right? Which I find captivating because I'm like, you know, you you had all that monetary success. What led you to say, hey, now, now it's my time to just help other dudes that are struggling? What was what was it that led you to that? Yeah, once I started, re- here's what happened. I've read about a thousand business, self-help, biography books. I read a lot. And I used to run ultra marathon distance. So I would put headphones on. I go to 2.5 speed because I think really quickly. So I'd cover three, four books a week, really good books. You know, the mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos story, the secret, whatever. I read all these great books and, and I started thinking, all right, I'm doing everything I'm learning in these good books. And then uh, I started noticing around because when I was hustling and building my business, my head was down. I didn't know what anybody was doing around me. So what do you think when your head's down? Oh, everybody must be like me. And then I started competing, getting out in the real world, growing my business. And I started realizing people aren't doing what they say. That guy, the buyer of that store that told me he'd send me the order by five o'clock, didn't send it. That vendor told me that he was going to fix that problem. He didn't see, there's no integrity. There's no like setting low standards, but then beating them. And, you know, like I like to set low expectations. My customers would send me orders when I was wholesaling the stores. I'd get that order and I'd say, thank you. We'll ship it out tomorrow. We'll have it out for you. Hell no. I lie to every client. That order is going out today. I want to blow them away. And then I'm going to also handwrite them a, a handwritten note, put them a little uh, Starbucks card in there as a gift and just blow everyone out of the water. I did that. I built it up. I bought 14 companies along the way before I rolled it all up and sold mine. But so my motivation was that I go, wait a minute, I'm not that poor kid who has nothing to share. I'm pretty good. I started realizing that. So then opportunities started coming along the way when I was building my business where people would say, hey, I saw what you're doing. Uh, We'd like to interview you for this newspaper, you know, years ago or for this magazine article. And then people started asking me, hey, can you coach or can you mentor in my organization? And I had a problem saying no in the beginning and I'd accept everything, right? Every (laughs) speaking engagement, I don't do that anymore. But now I started saying, all right, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll mentor here, I'll mentor there. And then I started saying, to the people I was mentoring, hey, here's what I would try. You don't have to do what I say, but here's what I would try. And they started trying it and it started working and that gave me a little bit of an ego boost. I was like, I'm pretty good. So (laughs) what happened from that is from volunteering for so many organizations, one, and I love organic stuff. This just happened, it wasn't a plan. About eight years ago, a dog breeder in Texas, he was my first official coaching client. I didn't have a coaching business, but he insisted that he pay me a few thousand dollars for my time. And I go, all right, if you insist, but I I don't need your money. I'll mentor you for free. And uh, he goes, if I don't pay you, I won't listen. I know myself. I go, fair enough. Let's do it. I told my, you know, I was making over a million dollars in my apparel company. And I told my wife, but I was only working at that point, like four hours a week. I got myself out of it. I put a vice president, I automated, we wrote software. I got good people and they ran the business for me. I just had to oversee it a little bit. And I told my wife, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to coach someone and I'm going to make $50,000 for the year. This is amazing. And it's good to help people. And I just put some earbuds on. I go for a walk with the dog and I'm going to help this guy. I did it. But see, here's what happened. He wanted business advice and I gave it to him and I helped him. And we thought through things. But then I started asking, hey, what's your relationship like with your wife? What exercise are you doing? Are you eating properly? Are you still drinking alcohol? We talked about all these things. He's like, dude, I didn't hire you for all that. And I go, all right, I'll step back if you don't want me to. Well, we could dive in a little bit more because your brain functions on healthy nutrition, not on alcohol. It needs, it needs exercise. You need all these things. You need to sleep right. You can't be in a fight with your wife and go sell a $10,000 dog consistently and effectively because you're not going to feel like making that phone call or doing this thing. And he agreed and we did it. 
That guy's still in my life. He's in my men's program and he's been in my life for the last eight years and recruited people for me and all this stuff. So then I told my wife, I'm going to make 50,000. That first year I made 156,000 as a coach and, <laughs> and I got to change lives. And I said, that's it. That's what I want to do. The day I sell my company, that's what I'm going to do. So I built it up for those eight years playing with it. Uh, but it wasn't until recently that I, I wrote a book and developed the program. Interesting. And it's crazy because sometimes in life, it's almost that organic road is what really like makes you, I mean, it always makes your ears perk up where you're like, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. You know, I'm pretty decent at this. And then when you get that fulfillment of actually seeing how you change people's lives, you know, that, that's got to be, you know, just kind of the cherry on top. But now it's, it's funny that you mentioned that you started looking at other aspects of his life and you may have been kind of defensive at first, as I think most men are. But what's a common pattern that you find amongst men that just start to work with you, you know, at the onset to you know, like what are the, some of the major issues that you find that most guys are struggling with early on when they start working with you? It, 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 everyone's different. And it also depends on where they are in their, in their age and the career they're doing. Cause it could be a 55 year old guy who's an executive and he wants to start his own business. He's got some limiting beliefs that I don't know. I've never been an entrepreneur, right? Be sure to check out gel2grow.com where all mask and health solutions listeners get 30% off with the promo code MHS28. That is promo code MHS28. If you check out gel2grow.com, you can check out the balms, the ball stretchers, and coaching if that is what you're interested. So be sure to check it out to get your PE journey started the right way with the balms and all the other good things that they have. And of course, the coaching. But be sure to use the promo code MHS28. That is promo code MHS28 for 30% off. But I need this income. The other ones are like, I'll give you a common one. It'll be like a 40 year old. He's starting to feel a plateau in his life. He's got a couple of kids. He's got a wife. Things are kind of stale. He gets up in the morning. He goes, helps get the kids ready. He drops them off at school. He goes to work. He comes back at seven o'clock at night. Maybe they have dinner. Maybe they ate without him. And he just does it again and does it again. And it's a rut and a plateau. And then we feel like, is this all that life had to offer? Look back when you were 12 years old. What made you excited? I like 12 years old as a number because I loved sports. I loved to wrestle. I loved to um, play baseball, soccer, basketball, everything. Hang out with friends. And when I think of those times, for me, 12-year-old was a, a magical time. There wasn't the responsibilities of being like a, an older teenager. You're just a kid, but you're big enough that you can go to the park by yourself and do these things. So that was a, a happy time for me. And I try to, that's what I'm trying to repeat for guys. Get them back to that 12-year-old mindset of like, I find a lot of enjoyment in getting together with my friends, not getting drunk, because you probably weren't getting drunk at 12 years old, I hope, <laughs> but playing sports, talking about stuff, talking about girls, whatever it is. Um, so, but, but, but the first step that I always work on is developing the reason they're on this planet. Um, it, it's, I call it in my book, it's the first chapter, it's light my fire. I want to light that fire. I want to get them excited again so they break the rut. Now, the problem is they blame it on their wife, they blame it on their boss or their employees or their vendors or customer, whatever they want to blame it on. What I firmly believe in is that it's us. We have so much more control. If you think you don't have control in your life, Get ready for depression because everything is happening to you. But the moment you start realizing, wait a minute, I have something to do with this. I can control my happiness. I can improve that bad relationship that my wife and I have developed because we've practiced bad habits that got us to this bad stage. That can be fixed through some little bit of action, 
It's not groundbreaking. I, I don't have anything that people go, I never thought this. It's it's telling them, hey, talking it through, coming up with a solution and then holding them accountable to make sure they, they do the action to get to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's kind of like, I got to get my clients to log their food and then I got to ask them like, hey man, how come you didn't log yesterday or whatever? And it's kind of like, you know, the step-by-step -step process to keep people constantly on it. The other thing that you mentioned though, which is another thing that I find that is, is a recurring theme just in society as a whole is self-limiting beliefs. And I mean, you kind of you glossed over it, but I'm like, that, that's a huge subject that I think many of us have. How do you go about really getting to somebody's mind and dealing with these self-limiting beliefs and getting them to make that change? Because I, I can't imagine that that's easy. Yeah, no. So here's the first step is to ask them, what are those beliefs? What do you think will keep you from succeeding? Why would you fail? And they get it all out of their system. Okay, okay, okay. And then fortunately, I've got a track record of working with guys. Um, so I can tell them a story about a guy I uh, was doing 30 million a year, putting about 4 million a year to the bottom line in his pocket every year. And he thought he was a failure. And he thought that when people find out that he's just an average guy, this is all going to go to hell. That is ridiculous. This guy built up these websites, created his own products, got good marketing channels, did everything so intelligently. And yet he thinks he's a failure. And this life got it all wrong. The world just accidentally gave him this luck. But wait a minute, who's the one working 12 hours a day for the last 15 years? Oh, that was you? Okay. And who's the one that made that decision to buy that customer or buy that uh, competitor? And who's the one who told you to hire that vice president? He's like, no, I did all those things. Oh, it starts coming together. And through a few conversations, and usually, here's something I, and it's not an ego thing. I try not to let my ego ever get in the way. But when I coach someone, I tell them, do you think I've created success? And they know some of my backstory in business and life. And they go, yeah, 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 you've created success. I go, okay. If I think you're a winner, if I think over the next six months, let's say we're working together, that you're doing the right things, do you think you're on the right track? And they go, yeah, man. If you're telling me that I'm doing all the right things, I'm, I believe it, I trust that I'm on the right track. All right. If I think you're a loser because I start seeing activity that's just loser stuff. Are you on the wrong track? And yeah, if you think I'm a loser, and then I tell them, don't let me down. Don't let me think you're a loser. When you tell me you're going to do this thing, let's do this thing and let's follow up and let's not make excuses. I had a call today with a coaching client in Europe. I've been working with him for about a year, 10 months. And he did not get something done today. And he, he defaulted to the normal human behavior of giving me excuses. So I think I calculated, okay, we talked a week ago, you were supposed to get these five things done. You told me they'll take you about an hour to do those things. How many hours in a week? I think we calculated 168. You couldn't find one hour. You didn't waste 10 minutes here on social media. You didn't waste 10 minutes here reading news or watching TV. Quit the excuses. Let's get down to it. And I think the best friends we can have is the one that says, hey, man, you got a booger right there. Get it out. <laughs> not the one who goes, oh, well, let me not offend him and hurt his feelings. I think you got to be clear and you got to surround yourself with people that are going to be clear, whether that's a coach or hopefully all of the people around you are going to tell you, hey, you didn't log your food. You know, mm -hmm. CJ told you to log your food, log your damn food. Quit being an idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's basic human behavior. And a lot of times it seems as though it's it's so apparent and it's like in your face. But at the same time, though, it's that accountability factor. And that's where you, uh, obviously as a coach, you come in and you kind of got to coach people into the right direction. Another thing that I always think about, though, too, it's like when you do take somebody that's almost almost I wouldn't say broken, but you're almost putting them back together and you're kind of being 
almost like holding up a mirror of like how much they've been able to accomplish already on their own, you know, and are successful in that regard. But how do you deal with somebody who's just like at the lowest of the lows, man? You know, how do you deal with somebody who maybe hasn't experienced success and is still trying to figure it all out? What's the angle that you, I guess, uh, have to approach or what's the approach with them? So success breeds success. We got to start getting some small victories under the belt. Wake up at five in the morning for the next seven days. Let's see if you can do that. Text me at five every single morning for a week. And let's see if that, and then I can start telling them, all right, you know how many percentage of the population does that? It's maybe 1%. I mean, it's very <laughs> small number. Wow, you're able to do that. I want, so your discipline's not bad. I wonder what else you can do, right? And then we jump to the next thing and the next thing. And then we try to set. So give me a physical thing that you think is tough. Is it diving in the ocean? Is it jumping out of an airplane? Those are pretty extreme. Okay. Have you run a 5k before? You know, have you walked for four hours straight ever? You know, we just start or two hours, an hour, whatever it is for that person, right? And get them to get that success under their belt. Because once they start getting a little bit of success, all right, man, you're doing it. And by the way, I've worked with guys like that. And then they look back a few months later and go, I'm another person. When they start realizing it, they get so pumped up and they keep going. What I want, I don't want to coach people forever. One-on-one, it's intense. It's a lot. It takes up my time. It takes all my energy because to me, they become like my kids. I got four kids. I love them. I want the best for them. The people I coach, I'm in it. They will talk. And then the next time they we talk, they'll recap everything from the last time. I'm like, dude, I remember all of that. And I can tell you that you said that Mike met Susan who said that, and I can remember a lot of it because I'm in it. I'm living it with them. I don't want to do that forever. And I don't want them to be dependent on me. So I'm showing them along the way how, Hey, this isn't me. Every time they tell me, somebody said it to me today, he wrote to me and said, what you taught me is changing my life. And you put a picture about what I'm teaching them about that. And I said, yeah, but I've taught that to a lot of people and they're not doing it. You're doing it mm-hmm. to keep showing that you don't need me. Now, if I was somebody who was needed their money, I might try to keep them hooked. I don't need their money. So I'll work with them for a little while and then say, all right, man, out of the nest. Let me coach someone else. Jump, go do it on your own. So I think that's one key is to let them see that, yeah, build success over time. The other one is, you know, people make uh, visualization boards Mm -hmm. and they put a picture of the house they want to have and the car and the kids and the family and the vacations and they put it all on the board. I think that's great. You know what else you could do for a guy who said, "Ah, I haven't really accomplished too much because I've gotten a lot of that. And I live in Miami, Florida with a lot of immigrants who built some amazing lives. And they don't realize it because they're surrounded by that culture here in Miami, which is, hey, we're here. Let's get up. Nine out of 10 people I heard in South Florida weren't born here. And most of those, a lot of those weren't even born in the country. So it's a land of like, get here and make it rich. Right. Um, So a guy that I work with recently, I had him put together a board of show me that ghetto you grew up in and put that put a picture of that ghetto and put a picture of the car your family had and put a picture of a janitor because that's what your dad did all his life. Put pictures of that. And then have a beautiful vision board for the future. But now you start seeing where you came from. It's why I said about the shirt in the closet. When I walk in, I am grateful every single day. God, I'm here. And it's my driver. (laughs) Well, no, it's crazy because you're right. That contrast. And if you have it right next to what you deem, I guess, is luxury and everything that you're going for, it almost gives you that stark contrast right in your face of like, dude, I could fall back into this or, you know, I could go in the direction that I want. Plus, the thing is, too, and I've mentioned this a million times on my podcast, where it's always pain versus pleasure. You know, I find that you're either motivated by pain or you're motivated by pleasure. And for myself, I'll be honest, man, I've always worked way harder when I think about the pain, the pain of screwing up, the pain of suffering, the pain of not getting there. 
motivates me way more than having the pleasure of like a Lamborghini, let's say. It's like, okay, we're not going to eat. You know, <laughs> that's one thing versus like, I'm going to drive the nicest car ever. You know, as far as contrast goes, I think that's very, very intelligent because that's the best way to get spur somebody into the direction that it is it's really going to get them going. You know, I got an example about pain. I was running a 10K uh, in a forest and it was a very narrow path. To pass the guy in front of you, you got to be, you got to say to your left and the guy's got to scoot over as much as you can to the right and you can pass him. And guess what? I'd already been passed a couple of times and I wasn't passing too many people and kind of, we were all locked into our speed now, you know, mm -hmm. to finish the first K, 1K or 2K, you're kind of fighting for position. Now you're, that's your pace. And man, I remember not being able to catch that group in front of me way up there. But the moment that I heard footsteps behind me for about 8K, all I could do is just, they're not passing me. And I pushed myself harder than I ever had. And I've done a lot of races, ultra races, marathon, everything. That 10K will never, it never slipped my mind because in a big road race, they'll just pass you. But on a narrow thing where you're going to hear the, the negativity up to your left and you feel like the sissy has got to scoot over yeah. and pass you. I didn't want to hear that. So every footstep I heard sped me up more. So I spent about 8K driving and driving and I pushed myself at a faster pace than I'd ever done because of the fear of being passed up. That's crazy. And I mean, it's true. It's, it's it's almost like, and I think going back to what you mentioned too, like when you were 12 and you're hanging out with your buddies, that competitiveness amongst men, a group of men always has that too, where, you know, you, you push each other further. It's kind of like when you're playing basketball, this guy's shit talking. It's like, man, shut up, man. I'll trash talk you. You know, it's like, you're not going to beat me. And obviously there's times where you lose, there's times that you win. But I think life is kind of like that, where you build that resiliency to kind of go through it, where it's like, hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But when you kind of have that, you know, that mindset of, this is competitive and I'm going to enjoy the process, even though it might suck at times. Cause when you do lose, yeah, it sucks. And to your point, you hear those footsteps. You're like, hell no, man. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lose this battle. Right. But when you actually have that community built around you, I think it's super important. And I guess when you're dealing with your guys, they can kind of come to you and you're the guy that basically spurs them forward. Like you can almost be that voice in the background, like to your, Oh, oh you know, okay, cool. You better get going then. <laughs> so a lot of the guys in my program, when they go through my 31 day program, I hand select. See, again, I, I'm not trying to move them all into this paying program, but I hand select a few guys. I only have 24 per class, but then I choose the very top guys. That I go, I want these guys in my life. And I invite them into what's called the brotherhood. And I only choose a few. It's a paying thing. They pay to be in there, but I bring them authors. I bring them guest speakers that two of my friends that have exited for over hundred million told the whole story privately in our Zooms. Um, we put together an annual retreat. We do all these awesome things, but I've had so many of those guys say to me, and they say it in our WhatsApp group, and they say it on our Zoom calls. They say, you know, the other day I was battling between doing this and this, and I heard Joel's voice in my head, whether they're working out or they're, do they make that call to their wife? Do they have that difficult conversation? Do they do that thing? And they say that they hear my voice and I couldn't feel more proud to play that little part, that little voice in their head that maybe pushes them that 1%. Then keep adding up 1% over a long time. I'm in this for the long haul. So if, yeah. if they keep doing that for a long time, they're going to continue to be brilliant. I think so. And and you know what? The thing is, when you combine all these different elements that you talk about, I can see why so many people are successful. But as a whole, what do you think about masculinity in our society right now and how things are kind of playing out for it? Like, Because I know you got, you got a couple of boys. You know, I got boys too, right? And you know, what's your common kind of like, I, I guess, what's your take on what's going on with men, young men in particular right now? Yeah. So I'm aware of it from my kids. So we got four kids, three boys and a girl. 
I don't watch television. I haven't seen the news in over eight years. Not one coverage, not one piece. I know nothing of the world. I'm ignorant and I love it because I don't have to bring in all that. To me, it's noise. What is seeing a war on television going to do for me? Is that going to make me happier? Is that going to build depression, anxiety, stress? I am convinced that the media and the pharmaceutical companies work hand in hand. We'll stress you out. We'll make you feel better with drugs, right? They work well together. So I don't let that noise come into me, but I do have social media and I look at it a little bit. I have boys and girls that come from school and tell me things. I show them what I believe in. I'm, I'm much more traditional. I am a man. No one will ever dispute that I'm not a man. Uh, my wife wants a man. My wife wants to be a woman and she's a phenomenal woman. She's the best woman I've ever met. Been married over 21 years. We're absolute best friends. Probably fought three, four, five times in 21 years. And wow. I can't remember if we argued in the last eight years, you know? So we built it right in a traditional way. My wife was a registered nurse until I built my business up and she was 30 years old. She was able to retire and focus on our kids. And that's when we had our third and our fourth. We're very traditional um, in a lot of ways. And we find the most happiness. My wife finds the most complete life that I am providing the things that I need to provide to the family. And she's providing all that, the soft side, the motherly side, the logical, not explosive side, not aggressive, <laughs> you know, just awesome women features. I, by the way, I love women. I coach men because that's my expertise. Coincidentally, my wife built a coaching program for women only. Uh, that's good, man. <laughs> so, so we both know our roles. I think what's happening in this society, and you can Google this stuff up, a man's handshake has lost how many pounds of pressure from yeah. the 1970s to today. And just like a generation, guys are shaking like girls used to shake. Women's handshakes, however, have gotten really strong. Nobody's telling girls to shake harder. Nobody's telling boys to shake softer. But something is happening. One thing, a couple hundred years ago, you and I would be out in the field or out hammering iron or whatever with our dad and our grandfather. That's what life would have been like for us early on, right? Many years ago. But what's happened over the last civilizations, changes, 100 years or whatever? Boys go sit in a classroom with girls, with four walls. And who's teaching? A woman. And what do a lot of these guys want to do? Please the woman so you get an A, so you get a pat on the shoulder, so she tells your parents you're doing well. Uh, so then you go home and your dad's at work all day and maybe you, you see your mom or you see television and you're influenced by all this. And a lot of it is the man's the idiot. Watch television shows right oh, now yeah. for kids. Mm -hmm. I saw this on Disney. Canceled Disney right away after I started seeing a pattern. Um, the dad in all the shows is the buffoon. He's the idiot. He knows nothing. The kids are the smart ones, and maybe the mom's the smart one. But the dad is the enemy, the idiot, the, the laughing stock. I don't allow that in my house, so we're not doing that. And I explained it to my kids. I go, look what's happening there. And what do you think will lead that family will lead to? That's an unhappy guy. He doesn't feel like the leader. How's he going to show up? Oh, he's probably going to stay on the couch and drink because he's given up on life. The wife's running the business, the show, the family, uh, the kids are even worse. The kids are running the show. So that's what I think society is leading toward. It's a softening of men, strengthening of women, strengthen women all you want. I love it. Strengthen men, you know, continue to strengthen men. And the way I approach that is by doing some hard stuff that naturally builds adrenaline. I'm sorry, uh, just thought, well, adrenaline, which leads to yeah. building testosterone and carry, you know, and you know more about this, carry heavy things, mm -hmm. run wind sprints, dunk in a frozen water tank, do a lot of hard things, fight jujitsu, that's my favorite, um, that makes you back to being a man again. It kind of wakes you up from that noise and that anesthesia that society's pouring, whether it's coming in through the water or the medications or the alcohol, it's softening these guys up. 
100% agree with you, man. I think the other thing that's underratedly bad for men is food. Like the food we're eating literally comes loaded with like, you know, oh, man, what is it again? Like, uh, dude, all that, like the microplastics, the estrogenics, and even the stuff that you find in like, you know, a lot of like, you know, perfumes. It, it just, it seems like it's loaded everywhere to just kind of bring down the morale of men and really affecting us. Cause it's kind of like, why should we have stuff that is in female birth control and our hormonal disruptors and we find it everywhere. Right. So it's a That's combination right. of different things where I'm, I'm looking at it too, where it kind of scares me to a degree. Right. But you know, to your point too, I don't watch the news. Like I do my research and stuff and I, I kind of, I don't going to say I live in fear cause I'm not going to give into it. But at the same time, I'm aware of it. And, you know, I know enough to say, like, okay, cool. I'm gonna make sure for my kids, we avoid this, <laughs> you know, we're going to make sure that we don't let that kind of media into our house as well. Cause if yeah. you do, I think that, you know, if, if you surround yourself with it, you might without knowing it become a part of it and even support it right to a certain degree. Or if you stay quiet about it, so yeah. when you, you know, I'm going to, you, everyone can believe what they want. And I respect that, but I respect myself first. If you look at my LinkedIn, my pronouns are hell no. I'm not going to put him, <laughs> him, he, I'm not playing their games. Uh, I'm who I am. And I'm more than anything, I'm leading a charge to show men to take this back. And I don't mean take back society and go form a war, but take back your home. You can control that. Just like when I take, you know, one of the challenges in my book is to set up dates with your kids. If you have kids, if you don't, then find a nephew, a niece, or your parents, if that's all you have, you know, whoever you have and set a date on a routine with them. So uh, one month, I take out one kid for a date, the next one, the other one, the next one, the other one, and after four months, it rotates. When I go to dinner with my daughter or a show or whatever we do on our date, um, I'm sitting with my back against the wall. I'm watching the front door. I've already told my kids, they know if we're at a restaurant, and a crazy guy comes in swinging a hammer because he's delusional, um, we run out the back. My kids can tell you right now, where's the exits in every place they walk into, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I want my daughter to see that that's the man that takes care of her. And since she was a baby, we've been doing these dates and I open the door for her. And I go around and I open the door to let her out. I open the door of the restaurant. I talk about her. I ask her a lot of questions. I show interest in her. And the same thing, I do it with my boys, but then it's from a different perspective. And they also see me treat my daughter and treat my wife a certain way. Us being those good examples changes the world because when you look back to your great, 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 great grandfather, how many people came from him? Mm -hmm. 500, bro. You know, if you go way back, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah. so many are going to come from us. Even if we have one kid or four kids or however many kids we have, a lot of people are going to come from them. And my responsibility is not what was above my line in my family. It's what's here today and below me. And I'm going to set that standard as best I can, especially when I see society going in a direction I don't want. I could just say, well, that's society. Somebody told me the other day he took his daughters to a movie and he found it totally inappropriate, the direction it was going and all this stuff. And he goes, but, you know, that's society nowadays. And I go, yeah, but that's not your family. You have three daughters. You can fight that. You can explain to them why that's wrong. And now I think he's taking a different perspective and having those conversations. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because you're right. It might seem a little bit uncomfortable at the you know when, when you first see these things and it's almost like you look at it and you're like well i should just kind of go with the flow and accept it and i used to think that maybe for like a year or two early on until i just saw too much of this and i'm like i'm not a buffoon first of all because i would see that all the time on tv as well where it's just kind of like, oh dad doesn't know how to change the light bulb because an idiot you know so i would see that and i'm like no that that doesn't that doesn't vibe with me i don't really like that and the other thing too, it's always kind of like the man was very effeminate, didn't know how to change a tire. You know, a lot of big, like very simple things where it's just like, it, it seems like all the men are portrayed to be 
idiots. And for some reason, if you say something bad about that, then all of a sudden people look at you like, oh, you're a misogynist, you're this, you're like, they give you all these weird labels. And that's the thing that I find in our society right now. And I mean, I live in Canada, but it's the same deal. Like it's even worse up here because Trudeau is kind of, uh, you know, her yeah. fearless leader. <laughs> yeah. But what we find is that these patterns and these beliefs, if you don't give in to them, they have no power and they literally die away. And I yeah. noticed that in this family, like in our family, it's like, we kick it old school too, man. We want the traditional life. We don't, we're not, we're not fans of it. We're not going to support it. And by not supporting it, all of a sudden, all that just dies away right here. Where it yeah. Matters. And, but you said it, it, it might be uncomfortable at first. I can tell you this, every uncomfortable conversation I've had with my employees, my leaders, uh, my family, my parents, whoever, every man, the buildup to that will drive you crazy. The buildup to an uncomfortable conversation. You don't sleep at night. You start sweating, you get nervous and guess what? Then you have it. And you always say that wasn't as tough as I built it up in my head. And the results are so much more worth it. I'm so glad I had that conversation. So I would challenge anybody listening, find an uncomfortable conversation that you're lacking in your life. What could you go have that conversation, whether it's your spouse, Trust me, these are groundbreaking moments when you have that uncomfortable situation, a conversation. Now, you got there's a game plan in it. You don't just go in and have it and accuse and yell and no, you got to go <laughs> game plan, keep your cool, calm down. You're already a man, most likely, who's listening to this. You've got testosterone. It's going to come out loud. You got to be ready. You got to prepare yourself, practice it, stay cool, stay in the moment. Don't bring up things from the past. Just have that conversation of what you want going forward. I'm telling you, I've led a lot of guys through those and they're life changers. A hundred percent. And you're right. It's the anticipation. It's almost like the buildup to whatever it is. It's almost like that pressure buildup, right? And then when you finally have it, it's just like, actually, wasn't that bad. You know, we could probably do that again. <laughs> and I'll go look for other conversations to have. And maybe that's where that pattern will come in in a healthy way to be like, okay, if I did it once and it wasn't too, too bad, I could probably do it again. And that's the success breed success model. Yeah. And now that we're on that too, I wanted to talk about your book because you mentioned that earlier on, but if you could tell us more about your book and you know some of the chapters in it and what concepts you go over. Yeah. So the funny thing is I probably, in the year that I've sold, you know, brought out the book, I maybe sold a thousand copies. It's, it's zero advertisements, just putting it out there and whoever hears it, hears it. And I've had 250 guys go through the program. With them, I work on the book. And I always tell them, do not read the book before the class starts. So next week, our, our next class starts, it's sold out. And the guys were all chomping at the bit. They keep writing in the WhatsApp group saying, I want to start reading it now. I go, it's not that kind of book. You don't just put this down and read it through. It's three to five minutes a day of reading. That's it. And then you got to go do my favorite part, the action, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what do we do in there? The first day, we're going to discover why we are on this planet through a series of questions that we got to ask ourselves with our accountability partner in the program. I help with it sometimes as the guys need. And we get to figure out why we are on this planet. So you always heard like people, you're going to go on a trip. You don't know where you're going. How are you going to get there? There, Nothing in school that we are taught apply, uh, uh, ties in or touches on these things. And I think they're valuable lessons. My God, shouldn't a kid kind of have an idea why he's on this planet? I think so. Right? It's not to go to school. It's not to please his teacher. That's not the reason you're on this planet. A kid could say, I'm on this planet because I love to help people and I love science. So I'm probably going to help cure diseases. Great. Now, that, man, that kid's going to be driven and some fortunate kids figure that out when they're young and life is awesome for them because they figured that out. For some guys, they're 25 to 62 I've had in my program and they're now figuring it out. They're like, man, I never stopped and thought about this. Okay. 
this is why I'm on this planet. When they start figuring that out, everything changes. You get up in the morning a little bit more excited. You start moving toward your goals a little bit better. The second day, and I'm not going to give them all away, and especially not in order and all that, but we work on goals. But see, everybody's got these big lofty goals, and they throw word, the word goal around a lot. Um, I've got action plans, right? I'm going to accomplish this thing. All right, great. Give me three action plans that you're going to do for that. I want to sign up for a race. I'm going to run this big race. All right, when are you going to sign up for the race? That's the first action plan. Go. Tonight, I'm going to sign up. Boom, got it. Knock that one out. And then I got to get a workout plan. All right, good. Can you do that tomorrow? Can you go online and Google free training plan for a 50K race? Yeah, I can do that tomorrow. Nor does I don't need you to do it all in two minutes, but can we do this over a little bit of time? Boom, knock it out. What's the next one you got to do? And we put a Google sheet, we share it, we see what each other's working on and I get to see what you're doing. Those are the types of things that we work on. But there are little things. I'll tell you this. I don't care about transactions. I care about relationships. And, and I honestly am one of the peop, people who I know who has the best relationships. I really do. And not because I'm some special person, but I'll, I'll give you uh, an idea. I have all at all times my card. It, it's a blank card with my initials on it. And whenever I have a meaningful conversation with somebody and I have an opportunity to send them a handwritten card, I do that. That allowed me, of the 14 businesses I bought, only one was on the market for sale. 13 of them were competitors that I built relationships with for a decade. And then you start it with a nice handwritten note. You send another one a year later. You don't have the memory to do that. Put it in your calendar and it pops up and you go send so-and-so a, a letter. I write it, put it in. I promise you no one else is doing that. You want to win people. You want to get them on your side. I didn't negotiate buying those 13 businesses. It was really like, hey, what's a fair price? All right, I'll offer you this. All right, let's do it. You're, you've become one of my best friends over these last 10 years, right? And then you get your way. And it's not in a fake way. I really became friends with these people and I care about them and, and still have great relationships after I bought their businesses. So that's one thing. So one day you write a handwritten letter, um, things like that. I don't want to give it all away because uh, even yeah. the guys who are in the program, I don't let them know it ahead of time. We do it one day at a time. You guys got a sneak peek here. <laughs> that's super interesting though, because... I view it more as a manual. It's almost like an instructional manual. You know, it's it's not to be taken because I think I, I love a lot of the books that I read, right? In regards to atomic habits and you know, different mm -hmm. self-help coaching, you know, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. All those books are fantastic. The problem is we read them, we do nothing. And I, I know because I've fallen, I like I'm I'm guilty of it all the time where I've read all these wonderful books and I'm like, oh man, it's got wicked concepts. It's like, how did I apply any one of these concepts into my life? And then I look back and I'm like, no, nah, man, I haven't done a single thing that this book has told me to do. Or you'll take the things that are kind of just easy to implement, right? And some of the harder, kind of deeper concepts, you almost look at it, you're like, you know, that seems like a great idea. Am I going to do it? Probably not. Yeah, and you're on your own. Yeah. And, and now it's kind of like you got to be held accountable. You got to hold yourself accountable, which is obviously difficult for a lot of us in many different situations. But obviously, when you look at stuff that you have been successful in, it's because you've held yourself accountable, right? So it's almost like you found the perfect, like, I don't know, like alchemical formula to just kind of put these different things together and make it so people can say, okay, cool. I have the instructions. I have the instructional and I have the action plan. And then on top of that, I got Joel that's going to hold my ass, you know, to the fire. So I better do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to bug them in their WhatsApp. And I'm going to say, hey, guys, it's day 17. Who got their stuff done? And then they have an accountability group within the 24 men. They're each in a group of three. And they really hold each other accountable. But then we have the big group. And then we have the weekly check-in on a Zoom. If they can't make it, we record it, share it with them. But, man, there's so many times where they got to share what they're doing. And something's happened. 
um, I don't know, maybe it's 15, 20 of the guys have repeated the class on their own. And every time I say, why, I don't even ask anymore. But in the beginning, I was like, CJ, why'd you sign up again? You just finished this class. Why'd you sign up for the next one or the next next one? You go, and the words were always either these exact words or something to the effect of, I've got unfinished business. It was a day or two where I didn't do the right thing. And I kind of feel guilty with myself because here I saw all these brothers in this group striving and working hard and I kind of half-assed one of them. So I'm in it now. You know, so I just put a testimonial yesterday on Instagram, which I didn't ask him for. He's redoing the class for the fourth time. Super successful entrepreneur, um, owns this amazing company. He's doing great. It's his fourth time. And what he shared is every time I did this class, I got something different. His first one, he said on the finance day, he found tens, found tens of thousands of dollars that were slipping through his company. And he tightened them up that day. And he goes, I say tens of thousands of dollars in one class. It cost me 199 bucks. And he goes, and that was my big takeaway on the first one. On the second one, I had a breakthrough with my wife and my kids. I mean, that's worth yeah. to me a million dollars. The third one, he had a day, and I could be off on the number by a few, but where he did 625 push-ups. And he said when he started the first class, he couldn't do one push-up. He was overweight. Damn. He couldn't do it. Um, he said, on this fourth one, I'm now going to work on my overall health. So we don't always get everything out of, you know, you read a big book with 300 pages and man, hopefully you get a nugget out of it, but there's nothing there that's like supporting you and saying, Hey, did you do the thing? You know, there's no one there asking you when you read a book on your own. That's why sure. Probably 750 people that have bought the book. They're doing it on their own. I don't know what's happened to them, but I know the 250 have gone through it with me. I know it's changing their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's an instructional manual, right? It, it, it's like when you have that in your back pocket or you have it available to you, now there's no excuse. And I think that's the beauty of it, especially if you're to your point too, which I think is a massive under, well, underrated approach to it is that you only have to read for three to five minutes a day. I think that's it's built key. for me. Yeah. That's built <laughs> my attention span. I like audio books because I could go running, bike riding, I could do stuff and do that. But 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 if I have to read a book, I can't stand reading for like a half hour. I start getting distracted thinking about other things. But I just have this, and I don't want to do audio for this because who's going to log into their audio audible thirty one days for three minutes? Just read the book, get it out, and move on to the thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Three to five minutes. Everybody's got three to five minutes. To your point too, where you were talking about how like you know you, you can't really bullshit it either. If you got small tasks that you know only take about an hour to two hours a day you know, you can do it. You know, you can do it. Now when it's three to five minutes, bro, you got even less excuses. So it's like, I, I love this approach because it's something that's very, now I'm not going to say easy. I'm going to say it's simple to do. Is it easy? Probably not. Cause you know, these are challenges. And when you do something that's challenging, it's not easy, right? But it is simple in its approach where at least now we don't have to deal with something that's super complicated and have to deal with all the intricacies and all that, you know, that's taken out of it which I think is the best way to go about it, man. Because And by the way, I, I'm proud to say this, that if you listen to me speak, if you read my books, I write it and speak at about a 12-year-old level. I really do, intentionally. I don't want to use big words. Why am I going to try to be something I'm not or impress people with confusing them? I like simplicity. Nothing mm -hmm. I ever say is hard. It's, oh yeah, I get it. I can do that. Can you do this tiny task? Yeah. Oh, I haven't worked out in 10 years. Can you go once around the block today? Yeah, great. Can you do two tomorrow? Yeah, of course. And then I go, how silly is that? Just one. Are you really just going to do one? Maybe do a couple more, right? And people <laughs> build themselves up over time. Now, 31 different challenges. I bet you if you did this class, CJ, you'd probably crush like 20 of them. But then there might be 10 that you're like, man, for me, because of my growing up, my childhood, my this, my 
-hmm. These 10 or, or 11 are a little more difficult. But guess what? There's some other guys in the group who are going to say, really? You found this one difficult? Tell me why. And they chat about it. And then he goes, oh, man. And the one you found easy, I found difficult. And then you build this bond. And you're like, wow. man, let me help you through that. Here's what worked for me. And you really impact and change a guy's life when you share from your past. And it, by the way, so I've got guys in there who are executives, entrepreneurs, and then I got guys who are carpenters, professional hunters that take people on tour, right? Uh, plumbers. I got all kinds of guys. And the guy who might be a plumber says, I never thought I'd be able to help a guy. Here, I thought I'm just an employee. I don't do much with my life. And they feel like that. But he broke through a life altering moment for these guys that a light bulb came on because of something he shared from his past. He didn't even have to come up with anything. He just shared something about his history and it changed yeah. some people's lives. Well, it's crazy because, you know, we can all bring something to the table. And I firmly believe that because you're right. Like there's guys that I've talked to about, you know, like let's say powerlifting and stuff. And the guy's smaller than me, like a buck 50. And he's like, no, he's like, you know why your deadlift sucks? It's because you're doing like this and you know, help me out with my form. And I'm like, oh shit. Like he just helped me break through big time. Right. And he was a guy that was smaller than me, whatever. And at the time, you know, I was just kind of get into powerlifting and, you know, he's like, I didn't know how to teach a big guy like you. I thought you already had this in the bag, but you know, and he felt he, he got that ego boost. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's cool though. Cause I needed that. And again, it's kind of irrelevant of what your past may be, what your appearance may be. We all have something that we can bring to the table. Right. So I kind of yeah. just love seeing the fact that you've created this brotherhood of guys who are able to bring something to the table and just kind of reinforce everybody, you know, and just kind of making yeah. the whole community stronger as a whole. In your it took me, I'm 48 now. It took me 47 years to figure out what my calling was in this world and this life. And I found it and it's this. And I built this for everyone else. But I'll tell you what, I'm getting a lot out of it because I'm doing every single day the stuff that I love to do. I used to always hear people say, you got to find your passion in business. And I just, my passion was making money and I made it. And that was great. I love it. I wouldn't, I don't regret any of it. I just, I wish I could have done this before, but maybe it wasn't the right time. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very proud of having built this, but I'm I'm just excited that I get to be a part of something that's changing people's lives. A hundred percent. Well, I mean, what better way to leave this earth than you know leaving that legacy behind of something that's actually, I guess you're changing people from the ground up, man. Like there's no, there's a lot of great things that you can do, but really seeing that change that a man can have, like I, I I'm pretty sure it's like shattering. You know, it's almost like you take something that's completely broken, you put it back together, and it's just, hey, you know what? Now you've leveled up. You know, you're done with that plateau that you were in. Maybe you were stuck in a valley for a long time. Now you're completely out of it. Now you can fly, right? And then and you're going to carry others with you. And by the way, so many people are watching us and we don't realize it. It could be a neighbor that sees you get up every day and exercise and he doesn't tell you anything, but you motivated him. And now you don't see him, but every morning he's doing 50 push-ups because he saw you getting up and jogging. I'm telling yeah. you, people are watching and you can influence so many people without even knowing it. A hundred percent, man. But Joe, I mean... Tell us a little bit more about your website, your books, all that good stuff, where we can find you, man. Sure. The website is 31, the number 31, dailychallenges.com, 31dailychallenges.com. And when you go to it, you're going to see two things. You're going to see the men's challenge, a button you click, or the women's challenge. The women's challenge is my wife's. So here's a story of my wife, uh, was a registered nurse, became one, I think at 20 years old, did that until she was 30. And then retired from that. She's got four kids. She was a labor and delivery nurse, saw everything you can imagine from dead babies being born, moms dying, uh -huh. beautiful things of babies being born, twins, triplets. You know, she saw a lot of good and bad things. So she's got some life experience there. And she started that at an early age. My wife also uh, survived cancer and had to go through surgery. Uh, not that long ago, she had to go through a couple of rounds of radiation. 
Um, and she's fine. She's completely fine now, uh, but she's tough. She's very tough. She's a no excuses person. I'll see my wife work out three times a day regularly. She trains jujitsu. Um, she runs a lot. She walks a lot. She, we have a, a home gym and she's always doing something, you know, lifting, uh, squats, uh, ab workouts. It's every day and she'll be sick and she gets up and goes out to the garage and I'm, what are you doing? She goes, no excuses. And she really pushes hard. Um, that's her, one of her best, I mean, she's an amazing person, but one of her best traits is that it's to just push people. Yeah. She pushes me to exercise because she doesn't say anything, but I see her looking like that. And a mom of four with, I can see her abs. I go, I better look good too. And, and one day I asked her, what is motivating you to work out so much and so hard and be so disciplined? And she goes, it's you. I'm watching you all the time work out and you motivate me to work out. That, that was amazing. It's been years. We never had that conversation. We talk all the time. And uh, I thought that was beautiful that we're influencing each other yeah. in a positive thing. She's a great partner because she eats very healthy. So I eat very healthy. She does these good things and takes these supplements and, and natural things for the kids and for her. I do too. So that's what my wife does. She leads these women in, in, in those 31 days. Um, she just kicked off her first book. It's called it's my turn. And it's because women <laughs> kind of put the, sometimes put the kids ahead of them and maybe yeah. the husband ahead of them and they're not paying attention to themselves. Some women are guilty of this. My wife is one of those. So she said, no, it's my turn. And, and now this is a, a way to focus on making women, um, the best version of themselves. Cause when they take care of themselves, when they say, you know what, I can't take my son to practice on Thursdays. We're going to have to find another route. I can't be super mom because I'm going to that hot yoga class that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I need yeah. that for my mental health. Right. Uh, men have different things that we may need to do. Uh, maybe a guy just needs to go out to a shooting range or, or kick some soccer balls or whatever, you know, do something. Um, so we all have those different approaches. That's my wife's program. And mine is the one that we talked about here. I also, I coach guys one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I, I do that gladly. It's more expensive. It's more time consuming for everybody. Uh, my real passion is for, to get as many men through the program as I can for 199 bucks. They don't have to do the expensive coaching. Um, so yeah, that's really it. Uh, you can learn more about me and my wife. There's, it's a simple website, 31dailychallenges.com. And at the top, you can click about Joel, about Jessica, the brotherhood program that I have for the guys who graduate my 31 day class. It's all there. hundred percent, man. I'll make sure all the links are also in the description. Joel, this is an absolute blast. And honestly, man, I love your vibe. I love what you're doing and just keep up the fantastic work, man. Cause we need more guys like you, man. I appreciate it. And that, this is the help that I need is that's why I'm on here to help your guys learn about this and keep it on their radar. Cause that's how we're going to keep improving the world. hundred percent, man. And don't worry, when this episode comes out, try to blast it out as much as I can. <laughs> Appreciate it. With that being said, that's all for today's episode. We'll see you in the next one.